to Down City Cash Chicago. I want to wish good fortune to everyone who is observing Passover, Easter, Ramadan, and other religious holidays this weekend and month. If you're not observing, I also wish you well. Now you know what time it is. Joining me to look back on some stories from the week from the Chicago Tribune, Stephanie Casanova, and from the Marshall Project, Ghazala Urshad. It's Friday, April 15th. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is CityCast Chicago. Before we jump into looking back on the week, it's National Poetry Month. Uh, So with that in mind, I wanted to know if either of y'all had a favorite, maybe Chicago poem, poet, or just a a poem or poet that you you really love. Uh, Ghazali, it seems like uh, poetry is something that you love. Do you have a a poem or a poet um, that that you want to throw some love to? Growing up, I learned about Gwendolyn Brooks, hometown poet from the south side of Chicago. I don't have a particular poem, just a lot of her writing was influential for me. Um, and, you know, I took tried my hand at writing poetry. I still do here and there. Not really sharing for publicly, but um, mm-hmm. I enjoy reading and writing on my own. Eve Ewing is another a modern poet. Mm-hmm. I got all of Eve's books. I got a couple of Gwendolyn. Uh, you know, it might be a, a easy one to reach for, but we real cool is just it's always got a special place in my heart uh from Gwendolyn Brooks uh we real cool we left school we lurk late we strike straight we sing sin it's just every time I hear that poem every time I read it um I just love it a little bit more uh Stephanie do you have a, a poet or poem that comes to mind um, this is going to sound very, very, very cliche, but I don't really read too much poetry. So mm-hmm. Ruby, Ruby Kaur is who got me into poetry, but she has a poem about um, her mother's broken English and her accent and how uh, that accent and that language is almost like the only thing she still has with her when she comes to the Americas. And so that kind of made me think of my mom and how like when we grew up, we kind of made fun of her her broken English because of her Spanish. Uh, and after I read that poem, I just kind of like my view of my mom's accent kind of changed and I appreciated it more. Yeah, there's a line in there. So how dare you mock your mother when she opens her mouth and broken English spills out. Her accent is thick like honey. Hold it with your life. Ooh, Wait, Jacoby, you know, do you exactly. have this memorized? Yeah, this is amazing. <laughs> hey, you know, I, I, no, no, I don't. I just got an amazing producer who oh. got my back. <laughs> uh, um, one of my favorite books of poetry that I own is by Nate Marshall mm-hmm. uh, in his poetry collection, Finna. Uh, and one of his uh, poems that is one of my absolute favorites is uh, When I Say Chicago. And one of my favorite lines is, uh, when I say Chicago, I mean my mama's house that was my grandma's house. And that line just hits so close to me because my mom, you know, was the person who who saw my grandmother uh, through the end of her life and took care of her and was her caretaker and is now transitioned into my grandmother's home. But but that poem from Nate Marshall always just makes me feel connected to to my lineage here in Chicago. So if y'all have a favorite poem, uh, listeners of CityCast Chicago or a favorite poet, feel free to reach out and to share with us. Uh, we're going to jump in breaking down this week. Stephanie, I'm going to start with you. What was a story that uh, really grabbed your attention this week? I think there's been a lot of talk about CTA crime uh, and then nationally the the unfortunate um, New York incident. 
There was already a lot of hesitation on riding public transit after COVID and now add to that after what happened this week in New York. But yeah, I think a lot of people are also thinking about like, wait, what are we doing here in Chicago? You know, there was an attack that took place in the subway system in New York earlier this week where a man, you know, let off a gas canister, I believe fired over 30 shots, you know, injured over 10 people. And and Stephanie, you wrote earlier this week about you know, another attack taking place on CTA. Can you kind of catch me up on what are some of these most recent incidents? Because we did a story recently uh, where we talked about CTA and the city's plan to add more security, add more cops potentially at stops, and maybe the the pros and cons of that decision. Can you kind of catch us up on what were some incidents that took place this week? Yeah, uh, the the one I most recently wrote was a a fourth incident in in like a five-day span. Um, Most of them were stabbings, assaults, uh, that sort of thing. No, no shootings, thankfully. But it's just kind of like an everyday thing now. Uh, the other night I saw another one right before I got off work. Police, uh, Chicago Police Department, they they posted another stabbing on a, in, in a CTA red line train. I am a breaking news reporter, but I'm also a criminal justice reporter. And so to see them constantly on this uh, police log, it makes me think we need to do more of a trend story, keep looking into it as more of a trend and not just a daily one-off. Have you seen any uptick in security or police have, you know, since they announced this plan to add more and, and do you know, has that resulted in, you know, maybe people feeling safer or more incidents being stopped, more people being, uh, you know, kind of told to get off the trains or given tickets? So I actually don't really ride CTA, so personally, no. Um, that was my big question to my editor this week after we wrote those uh, that series of breaking news stories was they, they said they would a month ago. Have we checked back to see if they did yet? And even if there are more security, more officers, you know, as we talked about in our conversation, does that really address the plans that are leading to increases of violence on the CTA? Are those the the only things that CTA and the city need to do to address violence? And uh, I, I think the answer is no. I think most people across the city would agree the answer is no. But but we're not necessarily seeing a sort of full scale plan to to address violence on CTA. And we definitely need to do more for you know our our operators so when the city first announced and, and police first announced that they were going to increase uh security increase police presence violence interrupters held a press conference saying or pr- kind of proposing that they be hired to do the work because they know uh, how to connect with people they have that lived experience or just experience in general the the violence interrupter said he had a meeting with the mayor but then I didn't really hear anything about it after that. So I kind of wondered, the, the times I have ridden or gotten on a CTA train, I do see people that could use not more policing, not more, um, it's, it's not that they need to you know, be arrested or get kicked off. It's that they need social work help, mental health help, that sort of thing. So, I mean, I thought it was an interesting and new and fresh idea, but I don't know that it went anywhere really. Ghazala, I'm going to kick it to you. Uh, What was a a story that really captured your attention this week? Yeah, on uh, the criminal justice front as well, an independent monitor um, has released an update on progress Mm -hmm. for CPD's uh, consent degree, which was um, required after federal investigation after Laquan McDonald's killing. While they've made progress on training, they've also missed a deadline to um, change their foot pursuit policy, which was a big thing after the 
uh, killing of Adam Toledo last year. Anytime I read these updates, one of the big questions I have, because it'll say, you know, they've started the compliance process or they're in like the second level of compliance or it'll say, well, they've only, you know, fully complied with 23 of the 523 sections. I always just wonder, like, can someone explain to me a little better of what does the first level of compliance mean? Does that mean you put a committee together and y'all started talking about it openly? Does that mean you've, you know, just said, all right, we are now addressing this in turn. We're thinking about this. We're marinating. Is it as simple as getting to a policy? Because, you know, they they proposed the foot chase policy, you know, in the weeks and months following uh the shooting and killing of Adam Toledo and Anthony Alvarez. But the first policy everybody saw was like, this is vague. There's no transparency here. You didn't work with the community here. But it's like, oh, we're, we're making improvements on it. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the big question is like, what is the impact of all of this? Like, you know, you're doing training. Okay, what does that look like on the ground? You're working on these policies, but we need to see it. And are you going to start implementing that policy within the eight years time frame? We need clarity on that. We need some answers. Gazala, I'm going to come back to you. What was a a story you want to bring some more light to this week? What was something that, you know, might have, you know, not gotten as much attention, but you want to make sure people know about it? I don't have a car in this city and everybody's been talking about um, (laughs) gas prices rising, but I'm feeling the pinch at the grocery store. Um, Mm. The report came out this week about inflation nationwide rising. And here in Chicago, WBEZ has a story on how specifically in Chicago, like meat and produce have gotten a lot more expensive. And those are like good things for you. But you know what did go down? Like the only product that went down? Ice cream. So I'm feeling like Mm. I might have to like live off ice cream for the next six months. (laughs) (laughs) I understand that, you know, things have been harder for farmers, for warehouses, you know, shipping. I know that so much has been impacted throughout the pandemic, throughout, you know, you know, global catastrophes like ongoing war, you know, but I'm I'm a glass half empty most of the time kind of person. And I just feel like they they getting us and and people going to pay it because at the end of the day, gas prices rise. People still got to drive food prices rise. People still got to eat. Well, I want to be careful to like make a distinction that, you know, we might see the price rise at the grocery store itself, but the grocer might not be the one responsible for having to increase that for, price. Like it starts for with, sure. So I feel for so many levels of the supply chain, the bottom, especially. <laughs> yeah. And, and, the, and, and, you know, the, the governor, part of his budget is like, we're going to suspend the 1% grocery tax. And I'm just like, yes, thank you for, for relieving us. But that 1% uh, grocery tax, how about, how about maybe 50%, maybe just 50% off all groceries. Just, I don't know how you pay for that. I, but just, just give me a coupon, 50% off groceries. Whatever I put in my cart, state just drops it by 50%. Stephanie, are you feeling the, feeling this pressure at the grocery store? I'm, I'm wondering why there are taxes on things we need, like groceries. <laughs> I'm just remembering the like I bought like three bags of groceries the other day and I paid like almost a hundred dollars and I was like this is ridiculous Um, Mm. but I'm trying to like take that as an opportunity to uh, not be so wasteful on food oh I was gonna say it might be time to start your own garden or something (laughs) you know you better better hit up your local uh your local farmer right your local neighborhood garden and, and get some arugula up out of them
every single week we try to leave the folks with a little bit of <clears throat> some good news to get them through the weekend. Uh, so, Gazala, what is your some good news? <laughs> Um, well, I spent last weekend visiting um, the art expo, Chicago expo galleries mm-hmm. around the town. And I was, you know, just on this art kick and um, I was a little sad for it to be over. And if any, if anyone missed it, um, there's still plenty of art in this city outside of Navy Pier and those galleries, like apparently right in our neighborhoods like Roscoe Village. Neighbors, they're like painting birdhouses and it's beautifying trees in the area with these pretty painted birdhouses, but also like, of course, attracting birds. They're like handing them out to kids to paint too. So they're like getting kids involved in this. Um, so everybody's a little artist and it looks super cute. I want to go check it out um, sometime this weekend. I, I definitely think I'm going to have to stop by. Shout out to Jordan and Jenny Dolan uh, who are behind the project. It looks, on one hand, it looks amazing. On the other hand, I'm just like, what if at one point all of those houses are filled at the exact same time? You just got a complex, a bird complex, just hanging above the streets in your neighborhood, which I'm sure makes us some really beautiful music. But, you know, it's food and all of that. And, you know, what, what, where else birds going to go? Them cars. I, I'm, I'm mad that that's where my brain went. I was like, oh, my God, beautiful music, amazing decorations. And my brain is just like, <laughs> man, that's a lot of bird poop. Uh, but nonetheless, I'm glad that you uh, showed me this. I'm definitely going to have to stop by. Stephanie, what is your some good news to get the people through the weekend? Uh, I'm just going to send everyone to a new coffee shop that I visited <laughs> for the first time. Uh, so I live, I live in Bronzeville and uh, I'm going to butcher the pronunciation. I'm sorry. Uh, it's I think it's Emeche Cakery and Cafe. Mm. Uh, it's on Prairie Avenue near 35th Street. They have this great vegan sticky bun. It was amazing. That was my just the best moment for me so far this week. So everyone should just go try that. Okay. I'm a, I don't live too far from here in Mache. Cakery and cafe. I like that. Cakery. Yeah. And if you like, I'm not a fan of cheesecakes, but if you like cheesecakes, they have a bunch of like different flavored mini cheesecakes that are, they look good. Uh, I can't get behind the idea of sweet cheese, but they look good. I'm with you. I've never been a huge cheesecake person. I found I've had a couple slices that have just like rocked my world, but that's because I felt like it was so sugared down that I used to make cheesecake for my best friend, and she used to tell me that it was great. So apparently, I make good cheesecake, but I wouldn't know because <laughs> I don't try but it. But I can't get down. With it. <laughs> um, my some good news for the people this weekend is I have a a decent um weekend ahead of me in terms of trying to get outside today. I'm going with my boy Brandon Pope to see the White Sox play, the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, tomorrow, I'm going to take in the silent film festival at the Music Box Theater. Uh, but my good news for this week is reserved for Sunday. And no, I'm not talking about uh, the holy day unless uh, the National Basketball Association is a religious institution to you. <laughs> Uh, because this Sunday, the Bulls take on the Milwaukee Bucks in the first round of the NBA playoffs. There's a lot going on on Sunday, right? You got karaoke storytellers, you got Easter. Uh, but at some point during the day, I'm going to be fully tuned in to this Bucks Bulls series. And there's such an energy to Chicago when the Bulls are good. When they're ass, you can just feel it around the city, right? And, and, and people don't want to resign themselves to the Bulls just sucking. And so it's been great to watch. But 
this could be the last time I get to talk about the Bulls. Right? The Bucks beat them all four times during the regular season. Uh, but if somehow the Bulls are able to shock the world and knock off the defending NBA champions, I think that'll give us a confidence in the playoffs that could look something like the Chicago sky. I love that the Bulls had, had a, a great season. Hopefully the playoffs isn't over uh, by the time uh, we're recording uh, next week. Are y'all going to be tuned in to the Bulls at all this Sunday? Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) While I'm doing my taxes, because I still haven't done that, I'm procrastinating till the last minute. But, yes. That ain't good news, bad news, no news. That's just Most people are just like, what day? The 18th? They're going to push it back like they did during the pandemic. (laughs) I hope so. Chicago Tribune, Stephanie Casanova, and the Marshall Project's Gasala Urshid. Thank you for being with us on CityCast. Thank you for having us. Thank you, Jacoby. <laughs> it was fun talking. Before I let you go, the CityCast Chicago team has been bit by the travel bug lately, so I want to check in to see where people been or where they going. Lead producer Carrie Shepard, where you just getting back from? Playa del Carmen, Mexico. Producer Simone Alicea, where did your travels take you recently? Barcelona and Paris. Our newsletter writer, Sydney Madden, I know you got some plans to travel. Where you going? Hawaii. Our roving producer joining us from Denver, Lizzie Goldsmith. Lizzie, did you just take a recent trip somewhere? That would be Albany, New York. I got plans to travel this Sunday to Lakeview for karaoke storytellers at Shubas. Lisa B, a.k.a. Laura Lightfoot, is my co-host. Bianca Shaw is our headliner. You can still get tickets at the link in our show notes. Some of the CityCast team members are going to be there as well, giving you merch, giving you trivia questions. Join me at Shubas in Lakeview for karaoke storytellers at 7 o'clock. I got to give a thank you to the people who make the music at CityCast Chicago, including Sam Thousand and Mark Greenberg at the Mayfair Workshop. And of course, my last thank you is for you. I appreciate you. Go to the show notes. Feel free to reach out to us via text, via email, via Twitter. Let us know how much you love the show or what we can do to better represent this city that we all love. I'll talk to you on Monday. Peace. <laughs>